I've never had a co-founder. So that dynamic's been awesome for us. I was probably a little hesitant to jump our product into the market when we did. And Mike was very much like, we're good, let's go. And if we didn't move with that speed, we wouldn't have capitalized on what's happening right now. We were going to figure it out if there was an issue. We would make everyone right into the process. So literally just do it. And it's never going to be perfect to launch. That was kind of our my first time in a product world to actually face that and be like, all right, it's never going to be perfect. You learn by doing it. What is up, you sexy bastards? It's your boy, the mini Wim Hof, a.k.a. Rabbi Cantlose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to the founders of thecoldplunge.com. When COVID hit in March 2020, I think you all are familiar with it, Michael and Ryan, the founders, had to close their float tank businesses. And during that time, Michael actually noticed there wasn't a sexy and affordable ice bath on the market. And after a lot of trial and error, plus he jumped into a river, which is part of the story, he created a working prototype himself, bought the domain, partnered with Ryan, got the business off the ground, and 12 months later... Three and a half million dollars in sales, plus A-list customers like Tony Hawk, Ritual, Aubrey Marcus, and No Kagan. If you want to learn about how to start a thriving business when your back's against the wall, connecting with big-time influencers, growing your brand, and just getting a business going, you're going to love this episode. Here's three gigantic things you're going to take away. Before we go, use code NOAH at thecoldplunge.com. That's code NOAH. I don't actually know how much they're going to give you off, but I bought one with my own cash and money, uh, and check it out yourself. Here are three gigantic things that you're going to take away in this episode. Number one. How they leveraged the entourage effect to land customers like Tony Hawk and Rich Roll. Number two, how they actually got their initial traction with zero marketing budget. And number three, how to find the right co-founder. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. If you're a creator, entrepreneur, or you've been wanting to be one, go list your software booker course on appsumo.com slash sell. It is brand new. Here's what happens. You put your product online. We go and promote the hell out of it. You make a ton of money and have a great life and customers get awesome products. All the creators come out are making over $50,000 a day. It is literally, and I'm straight up, the best opportunity I think I've almost ever seen for anyone who's creating software, books, or courses for other entrepreneurs out there. Check it out, appsumo.com slash sell. A special pre-show shout out to listener N. Gray. They left reviewing a must if you like smart people. Damn, this is good. I started listening to the podcast some time ago and it never disappoints. Great guests, wonderful insights, positive and upbeat vibes. I'm all about those good vibes. Without being stuffy, boring, and it keeps you interested and you come back for more. And guess what? I'm coming back for y'all too. I love every single one of you. Thank you, N. Gray. And if you want to shout out in a future episode, leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. I check every single one of them. How are y'all doing today? Doing good, man. Just settling in. Been a full day. What's a full day look like? Well, we just got back from the CrossFit Games. So we were out there for like eight days, just getting back into it here with... I had, I mean, today I was, we have other businesses too. So we were, I was over at meetings with management over there. They're local for me because it's in the Bay Area. So I had that this morning and then just emails, conference calls, back in, checking in with the team here. So, uh, so first question, what were you guys doing before you started the cold plunge and how did you come up with the idea? So, uh, both of us are float therapy, float, sensor deprivation tank center owners. Uh, I have two here in the Sacramento region. So prior to plunge, running brick and mortar service industry, and then COVID-19 hit the planet. And that was a big, for us, being in California, shut the businesses down. You know, Mike was in a very similar situation. And yeah, I'm in the Bay Area. I have three locations. So even more so in the Bay Area, we were closed for even longer. Yeah, but our, our kind of jump, our leap from the nine to five was probably... I was like seven years ago, six or something like that. So we'd already kind of made that leap, had things going on and then got this break, right? Like my first true vacation, like, you know, I'd gone to Burning Man 
stuff like that off the grid. But to have like our stores literally closed for months was devastating. But also after getting over the emotional, like, holy shit, like this is terrifying, like getting into the space of like, okay, what opportunity is here? Right. I started looking into cold plunges and everything was 9,000 and up and started building prototypes with my dad in Arizona. And that's kind of the, the origin of everything. Do you think you would have gotten to it if COVID didn't happen? Not in that time frame, you know. It's so hard to say, right? I mean, for me, it's like I, I, there were a couple other factors that happened too. Is like Mike moved up to Sacramento, which was planned prior to COVID. Him and his wife were like, we're going to move to Sacramento. And they happened to land here like early April. And so it allowed us to be in the same city at this time. Mike starts prototyping this, doing the you know, all the imaging, he's down in Arizona with his dad and he's kind of bringing, so I was able to be involved in the process kind of from the outside watching it. That wasn't with COVID, but we had this time. Like we just, I truly don't think it would have happened. Yeah. I don't think we would have jumped in. One thing that's interesting is like how limitation kind of actually creates creativity, but we're like, we need more money. We need more time. We need a co-founder. Mike, how did you actually identify the idea? Because you have the free time and you have these float things, but how did you say like, oh, this is a business opportunity? So I had been using a chest freezer for like three years. So you those chest freezers that have the lid, you plug it in, you fill it with water. They're not even made to have water, but you still put it in anyway. And then you put a thermostat in there and it kind of works. The water doesn't really stay clean. It gets dirty pretty quick. So it's it's limited, but you get what you need. You get the cold water. So yeah, I just started basically looking what's out there. And then I had someone who came to Burning Man with uh, cold plunge, the Morosco folks uh, who were making cold plunges had a call with them. They actually invited me down to Arizona to see what they were doing and went with my dad. And it was quickly like these guys are selling these things and they had their own unique design. It's very different than what we do. And it just, I don't know, I, I'm good at seeing trends. It's just like it works so well. The cold water is like blowing up, dude. Like Wim Hof is exploding. And there's very few manufacturers out there. Honestly, like you look at it now, it's like this industry is going to continue to grow. I mean, having cold water at your house is an incredible resource. Um, you have people like Tony Robbins. Now Joe Rogan has one. Like any entrepreneur who has, to me, any sense is going to be getting in cold water every morning. Like it's, it's just a no brainer once you try it. And the competitors are all nine grand and up. So it, to me, it just seemed obvious. And I had built a float tank from scratch before I kind of made my nine to five leap. So I'm kind of a DIY guy. I've done, you know, home projects before. And so we just started building prototypes and then uh, it just started to evolve. I think what's interesting just to kind of highlight for the audience that's out there is just like, what do you already have some understanding or advantage in? And then what is it yourself that has some discrepancy in the market? Like I remember when at my previous company, we were doing payments and everyone was charging a price and we're like, why is anyone just charging way less? So we did that and we won. We did do that on another business that totally failed. But it's interesting to say, you know, specifically, like, what do you have some understanding and experience in that you can turn into a business? So you kind of saw that this was working. You had something yourself. I love that you built a prototype. So how did you go? Like, all right, I kind of built a prototype. I have something for myself. How did you actually go to, to you know, prototyping specifically and validating your first sale or your first few sales? Yeah. So the first two, I emailed my reboot, my float spot customer list and was just like, hey, I made one. Here it is. Like, if anyone wants me to wait, make, uh, make one for them, they're 3000 bucks. 
And I had two, two customers say, yeah, like I love one. So I built those two. And then Ryan came on board. And then we just did a limited run of 20. I was just building them out of my garage at that point. Yeah, so it was a similar, similar situation. I was kind of observing the whole thing, started to see the prototype improve. I was like, cool, we, all right, let's do this. Let's, let's make this happen. He had the couple sales come through Reboot. I was like, cool, I'll leverage Capital Float's email list, have really good trust with our customer base. So that was kind of our thoughts. Like, let's just, it's Northern California. We don't have to do freight shipping. We can build them out of the garage. We'll run 20 and we can learn about the unit. We'll know exactly where the unit's at. We can go hand deliver them to all these customers and actually have this like hands-on approach to see where it's going. So we did that. We sold 20 and then it literally, you know, website was live. One big thing early on was we completely owned the search phrase cold plunge. So his buddy knows tech did the Google thing where you kind of see who's owning the search term cold plunge. It's like no one was there. It was like a barren wasteland. So we did the coldplunge.com. Our whole site said cold plunge all over it. And like literally in a month, we were like first page of Google. We didn't even run Google ads until like this year in January. So people were, our organic SEO was nuts for cold plunge. So that was huge. And then once we fired up Google ads, again, we only have a few competitors and our price is half. So we just started to snowball and then we moved into a new facility, hired some people. And your original question is like, or back when you were talking about like leveraging and something you know, it's like we had trust from our customers from previous business. So it's like they knew, which the biggest thing was, okay, this new cold plunge company, got these guys actually going to deliver on building these and getting these out to market. They're still free grand, but they trusted us. They knew Mike and I put our face and our name to it. So it was like, go, we're in. And so from there, we had 20 and then we're online and people are calling in asking about it. We're like, yeah, we just delivered here. Here, call this person, ask them about it. And it just kind of built and then it snowballed into, you know, every month it just started to boom, 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 boom. So we built that traction off the first 20 people that we just personally knew. I love that. I mean, a lot of people that are starting out that love to make excuses were like, well, they already had customers. It's like, well, yeah, why don't you do something easier for yourself? You know, like why make it harder? What do you already have? I think people miss out 99% because it's like, what do you already have in your arsenal of relationships, of friendships? I am curious if you guys didn't already have the float spas and this was an idea of yours, how do you think you would have approached getting those first few customers there? It's a good question. I still think that Google, Google Organic and Google Ads would have completely worked. You know, I, I spent probably five grand, six grand on all my prototype stuff. We didn't need a lot of money. We did this. We shot a video for like 600 bucks. It's still on the site. It looks amazing. We found a guy locally who shot it great with like a drone, you know, that are like, drones are so cheap now. And put up a site, ran some Google ads. Like, I still think it would have worked. So it sounds like some of those things is Google search, right? You could have literally put up a Shopify page for whatever, 20 bucks a month, put some keywords on it. You get Google ranking there. YouTube is, is free, right? Like, it's not like you did a video for 600 bucks and it's free to host it on YouTube. Yep. And you guys do have friends and family that I'm guessing you guys are fit looking fellas that you would go ask those people like, hey, here's something we built. So I, I think there's no fucking excuses. I'm tired of people like, eh, it's like, shut up. Do the work or don't do the work. To me, I learned a lot when I was opening the brick and mortar. So it's like, I take that. I only know what I know now because of the journey I went through in opening opening that business. But it's like, the thing I'm most I don't know, proud or just like, it wasn't a lot of money. Like we, we didn't go raise investment money. We didn't go ask, do a friends and family round. It was like, it's literally 10,000 bucks. Which, you know, I know that's whatever that is relative to each person, but to 
blossom $10,000 into what we've created. It was like just, you know, Mike's brains of the engineering, throwing some cash in and then just kind of like we all, everyone has a network. I mean, that we just leverage our network, but there's a network that everyone has and that you can connect to. And you just need to tap into what that network is. And the rest is history. Yeah. And also what your network wants. Like people always love doing these businesses where no one in their networks likes it. And I'm like, why you got to make it so hard on yourself, bro? Like, why do you? And I get it. That's fine. Because if they fail, there's no one to blame. But make it easy. Give yourself cheats. So you guys sold a few of them to your you know existing audience base. Briefly, I am curious. Like, Did you guys have any mishaps? Did you guys have any like feedback? Anything that surprised you about those original 20? Totally. We're constantly evolving. Like I would say where the unit's at now to where that was, it's a functionality, very similar, but there are some subtle differences. So we, um, one it, thing- It was more with the shipping. That was that was our biggest learning curve is yeah. the unit was good if we were hand delivering them, but it's a whole different ballgame when it goes on a pallet and FedEx takes it on a forklift. And that was the first two months was, oh shit, we are in a whole new business now. You know, we were calling everyone, trying to get understanding of what we need to do, engineering our packaging and our shipping. And happy to say it's, we've gotten through that, but that was our, that was our hurdle. Definitely out of the gate. But no, I literally never even thought about shipping until I was like, oh, this water is going to Florida. Like, what do we do now? <laughs> like, okay, let's figure it out. Yeah. Well, like, and we, yeah. and we own that. We, I mean, one thing we committed to is like exceptional customer service. So like any order that didn't show up well, Obviously, we got we found out right away, and we were on with a whether it's a hand. We were calling the handyman in Florida, paying him to go out fix their order by the next day. Like it cost us a lot, but we were just like, these are the people that are going to tell the world about this product. So we need them to like feel confident with us. For months, we knew every most handyman in most a lot of different regions around the country, and it wasn't every order we had an issue with. But you know, we we were on the horn talking to different people to go and, and, and take care of the units. The one thing I got to highlight even at AppSumo.com is I still know our earliest customers. And so I think that's actually an advantage that everyone should copy, which is just like, especially your, everyone says first thousand. I'm like, yo, first hundred, like know their bar mitzvah days, like know their Christmas, you know, said Christmas gifts. Like, I like that you guys got intimate with them to make sure they have great experience. The other thing, it's funny, it's good uh, advice. And at, at AppSumo, our company, I think we're, we're still, we're getting better at this, which is what does the brand stand for? You know, some people don't care about customer excellence, but, you know, what are the few things that you're like, yo, we're going to just do these exceptionally well as a business. I did want you guys to walk me through, you know, in the last 12 months, you sold three and a half million dollars of cold tubs, over $500,000 a month selling premium ice baths. So can you guys walk me through uh, some of the, the marketing strategy, maybe some of the stuff that people wouldn't expect, some of the stuff they would expect uh, to be able to accomplish that? I heard one thing, but I, I want, I'm curious to see what you guys say. Yeah, I mean, I think... One thing we did come out of the gate on is this concept of an entourage effect. You know, we, we understood the power of the internet. If you can connect with 10 people or people of the influencer space, it's going to seem like the whole world's doing this. So we identified 10 people or even more, maybe 20 people that we fit, felt our value, fit our values, were into this. They walked the walk. They liked cold therapy, all the things. And we're like, if we can get them a unit and get it out to their world, like we are exponential, like we're going to look like a thing. So. That was out of the gate. We did a lot of, um, you know, trade for them representing the brand. And we'd go on the tour and we would ship, get the units in their house and we'd be out, get the picture with them. And so it was this kind of, it made us look, I think, a lot bigger than we were out of the gate. And it just built this kind of like, whoa, these guys are everywhere. 
when in reality it was 10 to 20 people that we had chosen and said, let's go after them. I like that entourage effect. We'll talk about that in a little bit, exactly how you got them to be to bite on uh, being a part of the entourage and who has an entourage. What other things? It sounds like Google Ads, something you guys started this this year. Mm-hmm. We did some podcast ads like with some of the people who got the, the free units. Like Aubrey Marcus has just been incredible with how many you know discount codes have gone through with him. And he he was the first one we did in early November in Austin. And then he introduced us to more people. And then they every time we dropped one off, we'd have them, you know, do the next one. Like, hey, like who do you think would like one of these that you want to gift to? And like we kind of get up the chain and all of a sudden we're like at Tony Hawk's house. You know what I mean? So it's like the reason why Tony Hawk was down to get a cold tub from us is because his good buddy Jason Ellis just got one. And he trusts Jason. And Jason's like, dude, this thing's incredible. Like, I got to get you one. You know, if we hit up Tony, you just get a brick wall. So you just kind of keep going up the friend chain. You show up. You're yourself. You're a real person. You're cool with them. They're cool with you. They're getting a free tub. You're not like asking, like demanding that they share it a certain amount of times either. Just like, dude, share it however you want to share it. So we're being cool with them. You're not forcing them. You guys aren't saying like, hey, I want to, I expect to see this like this many times. No, we we want a full different, like we trusted like the true gifting. We, at the, out of the gate, we didn't really do deliverables. (laughs) We didn't say, hey, you're getting this unit. This is what you get. We literally just said, hey, share this unit with the world. Share why you love this. Share what you're getting from this. But we didn't say through Instagram, through YouTube, through your newsletter. It was like, just share it. And I think it built some trust for them to kind of like let us in and say, cool, these guys aren't needing anything from me. So that was something that we said, you know, some worked out, some didn't, but the ones that worked out were 40x to what we could have envisioned. What percent of sales do you think come from the influencer, this like entourage effect that you guys did ballpark? It's a tough, hard hard to say, hard to say, because word of mouth and people talk, but like 50%, I I guess I'm just looking for a range. 20, 25. It brought so much credibility out of the gate that it like kind of catapulted us forward. So. It's a bit of a soft number, I feel like. You know, they come out of the Instagram, they see us with XYZ person. And I think at that point, it makes the decision a little better because they know, oh, well, if Rich Roll has this and likes it, then it must be good. And they're not buying it because they saw it from Rich directly, but they just see that all these famous people are saying good things about us. So it gives us credibility that way, I think, the most. That's interesting. So if that's only 20-ish percent, one... I do want to also highlight, I don't know if people give it enough credits. You also had a, a great price point of a unique product. You're not another Alibaba, right? People are like, no, what do you think of dropshipping? I'm like, fuck dropshipping. What do you think of affiliate marketing? Fuck it. You know why? Because there's nothing unique. You guys created, a, like, I've been looking for one. I like them. I use them as often as I can. You're the only show in town that's actually like a normal price. And aesthetically, I like the way it looks. And so I think that's also something you don't want to discount for people that are like, oh, why isn't my business real? I'm like, because it sucks. Like you don't have a unique product that anyone actually is excited to give money for. Regardless, if you give it to an influencer and they don't want it, like that doesn't matter. That that's totally it too. Is like we had this unit that we were able to punch above our weight. You know, like usually an Instagram post from X person is cost this amount of money, and they're like, "I'll do it for the unit." You know, it's like we we were able to because it was such an in demand thing that they couldn't get anywhere else. Being such a unique product, like your point, was a game changer. Fully. So, Han, if you're thinking that's about 30% of sales, where's the rest of it? What's the 70%? We don't even know, to be honest. Let's be honest. People people come to the site and they buy it. I think a lot of it's SEO. We see the Google ad results. That works for sure. 
people are looking for cold plunges. I think organically, like I said about this Wim Hof, et cetera, like people are talking about this more and more and learning. It's, if you type into Google, like, hey, I want to buy a cold plunge, you're going you're gonna to find like three companies. We're half the price and look great. So it's like, it doesn't feel like rocket science to like market this thing right now. I mean, we're doing, we're putting efforts into the last 60 days into our affiliate program. That's been a big growth factor and, you know, working with an agency there, getting like our whole affiliate network. So we're starting to see sales come through there. So there's, there's things that we're working on. It's like Rich Froning was a big one. Yeah. So Rich Froning got four and plus Gable in a way. His codes come through a bunch. So we did a Rich Froning's like top CrossFit athlete. Yeah. Rich Froning, he's won uh, CrossFit Games a few years. Yeah, he yeah. went like four years straight. Yeah. And again, this was again, to your point of wanting a product, he reached out to us. We were able to create a partnership that was so beyond what we could have afforded, but it was because they liked the product and they need, they wanted it, they needed it for their athletes. So we put this together and then it just, you know, every piece has kind of just come together. It's Rich, now Rich is talking about it. Well, Rich is talking about the CrossFit organization. They're like, what's this product all about? Let's get these guys out here. You guys want to activate? Boom. It's like, cool. We're a new company. We don't have a ton of cash. The product was so wanted that it was, we were able to get things outside of just cash value. And then doing the giveaway, our Instagram blew up. Like it's just these kind of incremental trying to find these things that can take big steps forward as opposed to like a million small things. I'm looking at your stuff. I do have a question about my order. <laughs> I like the Wi-Fi thermostat. Can you change it via Wi-Fi? Yeah, the, the hot and cold plunge has that. Which one did you get? I don't know because it hasn't come yet. I ordered, I think that I didn't know you guys had more than one. The thing about the Wi Fi is interesting. It, it sounds cool, but honestly, I don't, I never change my temperature. I, I plunge at like 50. So I just leave it at 50 and it's just always right there in the morning. All right. But let's come back on that. And this is what I heard. This is Jeremy, the producer, got so excited. I thought it was a genius thing. You did the a one to one, which was like, I think you went to Aubrey as, was one of the first, was the biggest kind of first entourage person. And you asked him who you should send it to. Can you maybe walk through? Because I think a lot of people, including ourselves at AppSumo, are like, hey, we want to work with certain influencers to help promote our products at the end of the day. So what was your approach to Aubrey? And then what was this one-to-one thing you guys did? The original approach was fascinating. I'm in my sauna. I'm on Instagram. And he's doing a live, getting in his cold plunge. Chest freezer. Chest freezer, yes. And I literally comment from our account, like, hey, can we upgrade your chest freezer to one of our cold plunges, smiley face. And he literally like two minutes later, like comments, like, absolutely, like hit me up. And like, that's how it started, which is fascinating. And then, yeah, we hit him up and, and he was just like, how can I help? Yep. And we're like, well, who can get this next? Who do you want to give one to? We did. And we did podcast. We did podcast with him. We had, well, we did a couple of them was like, so I hit up Rich Roll's podcast and that was actually one that, hit up just through an email inquiry. Hey, we're interested, trying to learn about podcasts. Didn't know anything about it. It was way too way more than what we could afford, but struck up a relationship with his team. Fast forward two months, we're down at Rich's house, setting him up, you know, and then from there it was just we asked, we asked, who who do you want to give this to? Obviously the Jason Ellis, Tony Hawk, those are the big ones. Aubrey, his whole network now has a unit in some capacity. And we've done, this isn't, we haven't just done trade. We've done ads for podcasts or kind of just gotten within the network to see what we can do, see what see what other deals can be struck up. We did Shervine with Simbi, like Paul Check was one. Um, Paul Check's holistic coach, infamous, awesome dude. We got in with Paul's people through Aubrey's people. 
Then Paul made an inquiry into Shervine, who's the founder of Symbiotica. We're down at Symbiotica with Shervine. Shervine's the nutritional coach for Nyjah Houston. Then we're at Nyjah's house a month later. Like, so it was just this dynamic of they love the unit. They felt safe with Mike and I that we're not like here getting, you know, it's just like, no, we're just here to get you guys cold plunge hang out. We hung out with everyone. It was like we became just, friends. Just fun. Yeah. It's really fun to go meet all these people that you see on Instagram and podcasts yep. and kick it. Dude, good for you guys. We got one to the Gracies, to Hero and Gracie. Did he reach out? Who, I don't know how we got connected. Hero reached out. I ended up over some phone calls, become great friends with him. Two months ago, we're out on the Rogue River with him and Henner Gracie for a week on some all expenses paid, like whitewater rafting trip. You know, those guys are our brothers now. Like it's just been, it's yeah, been pretty bad. You guys, man, I'm super happy for you guys. And it's funny. It reminds me of my days. I used to throw conferences. Everyone wants to be a speaker. No one wants to be an attendee. It's like everyone wants the free cold plunge. Who wants to pay up? Yeah. Totally. But at the same time, the, you know, that it is, you know, the, this approach is working. Uh, so I got to commend you guys. Like the soft sales standpoint, it's like, Heron is our friend now. And he's like introducing us to other people that, you know, people are buying through him. So I don't really even know. It's just kind of like winning relationships that have working for everyone. There's a, a desire and you're delivering on the desire that, that really isn't available anywhere else. Like that's a, it's a great angle and a great place to play in. Yeah. So I, I admire that. Cause I think a lot of people are like, how do we get influencers? It's like, how do you make the influencer want you? And right. I think you guys have done a, a great model of that. We're like, Aubrey's using a basic ass plunge. We hooked him up. And then, and I think once you saw that it working, you guys have like really explored how to make that work for your business, which I got to commend you on. Can you guys share maybe a little bit more behind the scenes of how your growth has looked? Uh, German comments to changing warehouses, challenges of growth with shipping, employees, and revenue growth. Like, you know, maybe the behind the scenes a little bit on the 12 months. <laughs> yeah. I mean, started in the garage. It was challenging, especially for Ryan. Ryan was trying to help me build cold plunges and Ryan is just not handy and uh, had some breakdowns yeah. on the garage. It was a it was a, that was probably my most difficult time of the company coming on. It was like so outside my skill set. I'm cutting PVC pipe for Mike and we're tripping over units and I was just, it's a big insecurity for me. It goes back long years of working with tools and all that stuff. So that we were in the garage. Then one of the 20 units that we bought, we're delivering to his house. I knew he owns bike shops. I kind of we I knew we needed to get out of the garage. And so he was like, Well, I got a back spot on my bike shop you guys can move into. So within a week, we moved our operation to the back of his bike shop, which was not what we thought. We thought we had our own little warehouse. It was actually just these dummy walls with like an opening. So people are buying bikes just looking back at us, like, you guys building bathtubs back here? We're like and there's no drain. No drain. So we're trying so to we're test the units. Yeah. Putting water down the sink with a submersible pump. It was <laughs> Went from there. Then we signed a lease on a warehouse, about a three two twenty five three thousand square foot warehouse. Yeah, Thought that was going to be home for a little while. That's when we started. Employees were being hired, and we were kind of growing. Then within two and a half months, there we were like, we got to get out of here. And luckily, our our commercial facility we were in had the main tenant unit available. It was just like out our door every day, and we were just like, how do we get in there? And it just you know two doors down. So the move was fairly like the growth been feels very large and it's been comically in flow of how everything has played out. 
How many people are, are part of the organization? Full-time, I think we're at 15 or 16 employees. And then we have number of contractor, um, you know, agency kind of things that we work with, but in-house, I think 15 or 16, but we're adding, it feels like weekly right now. Hell yeah. I, and I hate when people ask, personally, I hate when people ask that. It's like, how big is my penis? It's like, not big enough. <laughs> and, uh, but the reality is just like, I don't like that as a measurement of company success. It's just more, I think it's like, you know, you came from two guys in a garage and now they're, you know, they're just in the teens and growing. I was curious the the role responsibility. So Mike is the handy dude. Ryan, how did, because I think that's a common issue. Like I have my business partner. He's the quiet tech genius that tells me what to do. I'm the loud, like seems like I know what I'm doing, but really I'm just listening to him. <laughs> and so I'm curious how you guys have balanced uh, co-founders and business partners. I mean, first off, Mike and I are friends above all else. We've gotten to know each other like the last six years, been through a lot of awesome times and like challenging times together. So I think for me, knowing Mike, I, I know who he is as a man. And we our values are the same. Like we're very clear on what's important to us in life, what we, you know, find important. And so that was always clear. And then the skill sets, we did a we did a, a charity campaign about three years ago through our float center. It's called Float for Maps, where we raised, we've got a bunch of float centers around the country to raise money for Maps' stage three trials for MDMA. So we wanted to, that was something that was really important to us. And so we we came together on that. So we got to learn how each other worked there. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty massive campaign that you know ran for months. And there was actually a dynamic of, of how we work. And then with that, I mean, it's pretty clear. Mike is an engineer. Mike is design. Mike is, you know, he oversees the build team, production standpoint. Like he is product focused. Um, and I also tech. Totally. Tech, web design, graphic design, all that stuff. Whereas Ryan has a sales background. And... Uh, Immediately just took on all customer service stuff, which has been just massive. Like people just coming in, complaining about whatever something is broken shipping early on. And Ryan was just like handling all that stuff. So that was just massive because that would have, that would have drove me nuts, but it's just something that he just took on and, and just spearheaded. Um, so we just have very naturally different skill sets, but I think it's a continuing dance as we try to hire more, you know, management management for sales or customer service and get more and more stuff off our plates. But yeah, they're pretty natural. I think we're I think we're learning too what we actually like to do. I mean that's yeah. been we ran these brick and mortars by ourselves and that's been it's like, oh shit, I actually really like this. And so we're really vocal into what we do and don't like. And then we try and that's been our hiring process. Like, okay, neither of us really like this. And okay, we need to find someone to do this. So that's been, that. that's been we'll learn a lot more about what we do and don't like. It's such a beautiful thing because there's, I'm noticing in our company, I've uh, come back to become the CEO and there's things that at certain levels, at certain positions that well, here's what you should be doing, but you're like, well, I still enjoy that. And then I think it's like, you know, how do you spend a lot of the day in the area you enjoy and the area the company really needs? And so it's great that you guys are, uh, you know, identifying which pieces those are. Like I've done customer support. I do like one ticket. Like, yo, you guys have I, so much admiration for everybody in customer support. Because like every time a customer complains, I'm like, just go buy somewhere else. <laughs> like, obviously, that's not a great answer. And I know I'm supposed to fake it. Like, I, I do care about the customer, but sometimes these, uh, I'm just not suited as well suited for that. How many tubs are you guys shipping a month? And then why is there a, a, a two month delay? Well, we're at like 160 a month. I feel like production right now, two month delay. It just sort of started to get longer and longer with little supply chain hiccups 
like right now it's just really kind of screwed in terms of like ports and getting certain raw materials. So it's been a challenging time to kind of do this. So we have a delay of a part for a week or two. And so like the guys are doing what they can to build everything they can without it. But then we're just kind of stuck. Then we get the thing and we're back on track, but now we're still behind schedule. And then we go three weeks without bathtubs in June. So that was like devastating. Because we were, we put our at eight weeks and that was just because we couldn't catch up with Hiram. We could only build so much in the old spot. We're transitioning locations. So we were like eight weeks. We just want to over. And if we get it out in five weeks, awesome. And that's kind of where we were at. We were getting all units out in about four to five weeks, but had an eight week lead time and just kind of over delivering on what customers thought. And then, like Mike said, in June, we had forecasted back in February, March, containers on containers on containers coming in abroad. And they all, for reasons that were still unknown, which is not us unique to us, it's kind of a global thing. They were all stuck in the port for three weeks, which was a very stressful time. We had, you know, still paying workers. A lot of them couldn't even, like the builders weren't really building. And so that put us up to eight weeks. And now... We've been hiring like crazy just to get yeah. back in front of that. So our, our whole goal is to get that down. We want this to be like a, a really short window. You order and your order is there in two weeks. It's just that it's kind of the we're getting a real, real quick learn into supply chain and probably one of the most unique moments at post-industrial revolution in the supply chain world. For everyone watching that wants to start their own business, what do you think they can learn from your story? Just do it, right? Like that's like number one. People say that all the time, like, don't think, just do. It's like we talked about the shipping thing. Like, we didn't even think about shipping and we tried to figure it out. And, and some of the orders arrived damaged. And then we just did everything we could to make it right. And then we fixed the problem. And problems come up you're never going to foresee. So you can't think it through. But the key was just like finding a good product market fit and then just jumping. Mm -hmm. And my, I mean, I've never had a, a co founder. So, that dynamic's been awesome for us. I was probably a little hesitant to jump our product into the market when we did. And Mike was very much like, we're good, let's go. And if we didn't move with that speed, we wouldn't have capitalized on what's happening right now. But to the point of Mike, we were going to figure it out if there was an issue. We would make everyone right into the process. So to your point, it was literally just do it. And it's never going to be perfect to launch. <laughs> like that, That's like the everyone, every founder always says that. It was kind of our my first time in a product world to actually face that and be like, all right, it's never going to be perfect. You learn by doing it. Yeah. I'm a big believer in trial and error. Like that's all those prototypes were. Like I barely sketched anything down. Like I had to just go and do it, you know? And like the first bunch just sucked and like were like literally didn't work. I was trying to build my own water chillers from scratch and none of them worked. And so I had to pivot. But just that process of just keep trying, just ended up working. I love it. I am curious, um, when do I get mine? I didn't know. So to be clear, when I bought it, and I appreciate the, I like how I approached you guys straight up because I didn't, I don't know. I like that. I was like, hey, I want to give you money because I want you guys to make money and not be, and yes, I'll even refer. But I'm like, I want small businesses to make money so they stay in business. I think that's sometimes you're like, yo, give it to me for free. It's like, I get I totally it. You. I, I deal a lot more with the partnership side and, you know, you can understand how many fucking people reach out and they're like, you want to collaborate? It's like, what does that fucking mean? You want a free tub? <laughs> you just want but to I that. appreciated you yeah. and I vividly remember when you reached out. Yeah, I made it clear I was going to pay because I want to give you guys, I want to at least cover your costs. Even at that point, I'm like, 
you laid out and then you were like, we can do a video. Like I like when people offer what they can bring to the table. Yeah. And that is, as opposed to it's my job to figure out what you're good at. I have 50 people that reached out today. Tell me what you're good at. And I'll just, it's a yes or no. And like, hell yeah. I realized I followed you on Twitter. I was like, dude, I know this cat. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, you too. I was like, yeah, no brainer. Let's rock. Let's rock. So your, your unit, I think is, I mean, it's right, which we need to, if you want to switch to a. So you can throw a, a thermostat. I don't need a hot tub because I have a hot tub. But the Wi-Fi thing sounds fire because then I don't have to go and always change it. You can just throw a thermostat on, no problem. Cool. I think your order is like probably, I got to look. We'll make, we'll make it happen for you ASAP with the thermostat, dude. I'll follow up with a date you. when yours is coming back. Can I give you guys just a customer experience feedback? Please, yeah. So I bought it straight up regular. And then one, I didn't know it was an eight-week delay because I just went to the thing, saw the price. You guys gave me a code, made the purchase, and then I was like, and then two days ago, I asked my assistant, I was like, hey, what the fuck is this thing? And she's like, hey, no, everything's great. I need you to calm down, not be aggro as usual. I'm not aggro. But I was like, where, where is it? Because I was excited. And I'm like telling people and I'm like, yo, we're going to do it. And it, and so one, I think I, maybe I just missed, I did miss it because I see it now on the thing, but it's actually kind of further down on the purchase. Got it. It's actually hidden. It's at the bottom. It says next new order should expect an eight-week lead time. And I guess your customer service is getting people to ask it. You do want to not tell them kind of, I guess, because you want the purchase, supposedly. But you should tell them to purchase it so they get first in order. Like, hey, you got to buy it now because it could take eight weeks. You got to get your number in line. What I would love to see, and I think this is what you could do, is just email me like two weeks later automatically with a photo of your workers working on a tub. Like, we're working on your baby. It's going to hopefully within six weeks or sooner, we're going to get it to your house. Because I just haven't heard from you. And I'm like, yo, I just sent these guys, whatever, a few thousand bucks. I know Aubrey now. I'm gonna text Aubrey. Hey Aubrey, my uh, my cold tub's not here. Like I'm not doing that. Totally great. Idea. I think we're all about it. Just give me an update. I just I just expect. I think when people start businesses, yeah. one of the things we, we talk about is like expectation. We, we've talked. We literally talked about a similar idea. I love the photo of the guys actually working on it on top of it. But like, I want like a Domino's fucking pizza. Yes, that's the experience I want. Yes, like timeline kind of coming down. If if there's a lead time, we don't want the lead time, but. We're not going to get to zero lead time in tomorrow. So Yeah, I just wanted to hear from you. I didn't care what you said. Just like, hey, it's coming. Even that would have been more than enough. I just didn't know. And now I have to have brain power to go think about it or use brain power. Did you receive, so just confirming you got confirmation email? Yeah, the confirmation email does say eight-week lead time. But what we need to do is update because we have the flow email at 30 and we have a phone call at 30. But let's move, the, let's move a flow email up to two weeks. Like he says, a week after, and then we still have the 30-day phone call. Time. Yeah. The other thing, I mean, when did you guys do the the cold, cold pro, hot, hot pro? I've had that for a while. Yeah. Dude, I haven't seen an email. I mean, I just saw that today, and the only email I saw was that you came up with a new component cover, which I was like, ding, should I have paid for that too? We'll get that off for you. Yeah. Well, I didn't know. And I don't know. I don't know. I think one thing I've noticed is that, like, how, do you have, how is your mailing list on uh, cold plunge? Size? Yeah. I think we're at like 17,000. Can I make a recommendation? Please. I think there's a difference between building a cold plunge and building a brand. Yeah. And I, my recommendation as a customer is like, I got your email and I actually did open it about the component cover. I mean, it's it's fine. But like, you could also send photos of hot guys in cold tubs on like a weekly basis. Because out of the 17,000, you've sold only 1,000 of those people. 16,000 have never been sold. So it's like, here's a hot chick. Here's a hot dude. Hey, here's another workout. Basically, but I know you guys are strapped for people. But I do think in time, like actually building that community 
and you guys are the brand, like, oh shit, cold plunge. It's not only cold, they also do the light compressor shit in the future. I mean, obviously there's so much meat on the cold plunge market. Anyway, I just think you could communicate to the audience because I, I want to hear from you. Personally, I, I did want to hear from you guys. You said hot dudes and cold plunge, but like what else, what else are you thinking like about the brand? Just what are other people doing, right? So why do people cold plunge? They're cold plunge because they're working out. So what are the foods? What are the clothes? What are the workouts? Right. And then I guess also, even more importantly, what are the recovery things that everybody else is doing besides it? So like I have, um, it might be good collabs for you, Ryan. I bought Air Dash Relax. You seen these guys? Mm-hmm. I'm one of these modern white people that buys all this recovery stuff, even though we do like very light workouts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was at it. I was at the generator lab in Austin. Are you guys at all the cold plunge? Oh, no, I guess they don't want to sell them there. That's an interesting thing. I was thinking there's generator lab in Austin where they have a cold bath. You guys should have posters or have a referral with them, but then I guess people would cancel their memberships and not go there. Less than people actually worry about. If a customer wants to buy, you should be helpful and get them to fucking buy one. So anyways, the two, two thoughts there is like Air Dash Relax is lake compressors. It's 500 bucks, but it's like, it's a great compliment to like, hey, you have an Air Relax, like you might want to cold plunge and vice versa. So anyway, I was just thinking like, that's the kind of stuff you guys can build a brand around, you know, recovery. Mm-hmm. I think that's the idea long term yeah i mean the, the concept that really gets to us is like hormetic stress like can't changing the concept of like intentional good stress to your body as opposed to like external just being stressed out and so like it's kind of like the internally the concept for us that we want to like lean towards is like changing that dialogue it's, just, it's not just one blanket statement of stress it's you know we choose to stress ourselves out and that's a really good thing you work out you get in a sauna, you cold plunge, like you're actually stressing your body. So that's kind of the underarching. Oh, that's thing. cool. I mean, I've never even heard that word. Like you should just email, what would you call it? Hormetic stress. It's like what yeah. doesn't kill you makes you stronger Like into that. I never heard that word. I don't know. Anyway, so talk to your customers. They want to hear from you. You could even email them on like, I mean, that's how we make a lot of our money at AppSumo is just building a community through communication. Yeah. We have a ton of blogs that we've just not sent out as emails. We get out like four blogs a month on different topics. That could easily be, I mean, it's been funny because AppSumo is, you know, it's a marketplace for software. So we do email a lot. But one of our most successful emails is just a newsletter that's like, here's cool videos and articles about entrepreneurship. And by the way, if you want to like buy a product on our store, click here. And it's a it's a weirdly high performing email. The other thing that we've done, um, we don't do consulting. So I'm not, so I have no services to sell you. I can take your money if you guys want to donate though. We used to do a lot of software for Shopify stores. And one of the most effective sales email I ever saw in a Shopify store was just emailing out an Instagram picture. It just gives you control, right? Like you don't have to keep, you're paying ads for someone to come to your site. And it's like, how how ready are people to make like a $5,000 purchase? Very few. And it take, they're probably talking to their wife. Email who has his ideas and energy. Yeah. Like Electric does not have any of that, right? No. Who do you know? <laughs> Uh, actually, I have a kid. I have a kid. He focuses on health and fitness. I don't know if he's still doing it. He's like super jacked. My buddy Dustin. Let me ask him if he's still doing that. He would actually for email marketing. He would be. He was doing. I was a little like, damn. I wish I was doing what he was doing. He's very good at that. Cool. Have you guys worked with uh, Nick Bear? No. Doesn't ring a bell. Nick Bear is a huge YouTuber. Uh, also, awesome guy. Plus, he sells nutrition supplements. Oh shit! Nick Bear just bought a plunge. You guys should connect. I would love to just connect with you, connect you again with him via text. He just bought, I, dude, I, okay. Nick Bear is honestly a legend. And this guy, oh God, he's so fucking cool. Is he out of Texas? Yeah, he's out of Round Rock. He just 
Bah. I mean, no, his unit's about to go out. We should, so you're saying we should hit him up? Oh, he is a huge YouTuber. He's an awesome guy. He's got a huge supplement company, huge online presence. So the other suggestion for y'all is that you should have someone look through all your purchases to see if there's anyone like that. Because then you can message him and be like, yo, let's get kick you in some. Yeah. No, no. You guys are busy as fuck. And you're selling in more than you can count. So this is shit you do in like six months when you're like, sales are a little plateauing. What do we want to do? Then do the email marketing. There's 50 things on the wall that we're like, we got to do. But I mean, I fucking love hearing this stuff. Hell yeah, guys. Thank you uh, for having, you know, at least responding to my messages as well. So we can, uh, I don't know, my, my job here is to promote dope shit. And you guys are making dope stuff. Thank you, man. I appreciate the feedback too. Yeah. Sweet. All right, gentlemen. Have an amazing Wednesday. Uh, this is a dude, it peaked. You guys peaked my day. <laughs> Likewise. It's mutual, brother. All right, amigos. Have a good day. Cheers. Well, that is a wrap. I hope you loved the episode as much as I did making it for you. Learn more about Michael and Ryan's business at thecoldplunge.com. And I said you can use code NOAH for some discount. There's no affiliate. They didn't give me any money. I just like their product, thecoldplunge.com. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's go take some ice baths together. And before you go, tweet me at Noah King and let me know what you thought of this episode. You probably didn't hear that part, but that's okay. No one ever tweets me about the episodes. They just are like, yo, I like you. I'm like, I like you too. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. That's youtube.com slash okdork. It's just got a lot of great stuff. Come on, you, what are you doing? Hit subscribe. Like that button. Do you even watch YouTube? I'm literally watching YouTube while I'm recording this. Special thanks to Jason at podcast.com for making these episodes. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, Hubert, Jonathan, Sasa, Cam, Jen, and George, who's brand new. For all the magic y'all do. And finally, a couple shout-outs to Jay, Jordan, Lindsay, JR, Mel, Amanda, at AppSumo for yet another amazing video on the YouTube.com slash AppSumo channel. Super pro. I love what y'all are doing. It makes me very proud. Have a marvelous day. What does NFT stand for? <laughs>